Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for December 11th, 2016. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jacks Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon today is entitled, As If Joy Is Not Fleeting. I've got a really great picture of pastor number one like this. You can find it on Facebook later today. If you miss the sermon, I want you to remember this. Where? It's kind of a one-word synopsis. See if I'm right about that. There is a lot of sadness in this world There's just no other way to say it. Our oldest human ancestors trace back maybe a few million years. You would think we might have grown up by now, but it seems the sibling rivalry of Cain and Abel is still with us. It would be a shame to see the story of those first two offspring of Adam and Eve as only an historical tragedy the first literal fratricide within the first human family, that that story must be more. It's got to be more than just ancient history because we have been killing our brothers and our sisters ever since. Cain's lethal jealousy didn't just result in the world's first murder. Apparently, the Bible is trying to tell us soberly, this is just our way of life. On Monday of this past week, a 36-year-old Georgia man was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for intentionally locking his 22-month-old son in his car seat on a sweltering Georgia afternoon in June of 2014. Apparently, life as a husband was too constraining for Justin Ross Harris, so he killed his young son in an attempt to find a way out of his responsibilities as a father. He succeeded. Charlotte, North Carolina, is one of the leading cities in the United States, a transportation hub in the literal buying and selling of women who are mostly actually still girls. If you think that slavery is only a sad part of our sad history, think again. The sex trade makes a profitable commodity of unsuspecting and insecure girls, trapping many of them and shipping them through Charlotte Douglas International Airport to a dead-end life of prostitution and abuse all around the world. Across the globe, Islamic extremists kidnap and kill seemingly at random in frightening, rampant displays of their theological ignorance, desecrating the name of the God they purport to praise. And lest we point an arrogant, bony finger at someone else's evil religion, in North Carolina and around the nation, white nationalist groups emboldened for whatever reason by our recent election, have raised the visibility of a heresy called white supremacy that is mostly based in Christian theologies and justified by quotations from the Holy Bible. And there are families destroyed 
by distrust and deception and disease and disaster, and people just keep on dying. Joy Sunday. Where? <laughs> and the church is too fractured by its own immaturity, too obsessed with its institutional preservation, too immersed in a self-imposed demise to make much real difference, at least in affecting any noticeable systemic change. There is a lot of sadness in this world and the truth is that just proclaiming today the Advent Sunday of joy doesn't really change that very much, does it? Now we could try to pretend, and an antidote might be a daily subscription to the reports of an online magazine called Sunny Skies, S-K-Y-Z, Sunny Skies, which prints only happy news. Its byline is live, period, laugh, period, love, period. And it will make you smile when you read about the anonymous man who walked into H.W. Good Elementary School in Pennsylvania and wrote a check for $864 to pay all the outstanding lunch bills of the school's mostly impoverished students. You will feel better when you read about Charles and Renate Cole, who overcame their addictions to crack cocaine 20 years ago, raised a family, sent them off to college. And it will warm your heart and inspire the best of our hopes in the American dream to know that after their son, Charles III, got his undergraduate degree, but before he finished his master's degree and started his doctoral work, his parents went back to school together. Sunny Skies has a picture of their smiling faces in cap and gown on the day they received their diplomas. You can spend some time every day reading Sunny Skies, and you might be well advised to do so. I could also recommend that you keep up with your church newsletter, appropriately called Good Tidings, because I guarantee you it will also bring a little happiness to your life when you see the picture of Brooks Baxley with that ear-to-ear -ear grin on his face as he was getting ready to dig into that 20-ounce ribeye steak. I kid you not, it was 20 ounces. And that youth minister who flew across the country to buy that steak for him Yeah, that'll, that'll warm your heart too. I could, uh, if you keep up with good tidings, you will hear about deacons taking care of their families, the incalculable work of our care teams as they care for our members, the work that our team that has given to Lydia Ingraham is just amazing, walking her through this last surgery for cancer. In Good Tidings, you will see pictures of children as they play and sing and learn together. And you'll read about all that is happening on this busy corner of Park and Ashcraft, the hub of activities this church has become in our community. I can tell you that everywhere I go, it gives me a smile because people know about you. Just yesterday... As Amy and I concluded the annual memorial service at Hankins and Whittington Funeral Home, a woman whose father had died this fall walked up to us and thanked us for that service and said, 
I've never seen this woman before, and she said, I love all that your church is doing. Wow. That warmed our hearts and brought a smile to two pastors' faces. We all need more of those moments, a little happiness to light the way. But you know, concentrating only on the good news, burying our heads in the clouds of sunny skies, will not stop the flights out of Charlotte. All those young girls bound on one-way flights to the end of all hope. It is the Advent Sunday of joy, but we need not confuse this with a day of superficial happiness. When the writer of Isaiah 35 talks of a highway in the desert, he's not just immediately leaping into metaphor. It's not just a symbolic highway like that proverbial way to which the Gospel of Matthew refers, the narrow gate and the way that leads to life. Before it became a metaphor, that highway in the desert was a literal road cut through the Iraqi wilderness. It was a burning path from slavery and exile, the route out of the bondage of singing songs in a foreign land. It was a straight path through the desert that led from Babylon back home to Jerusalem. That highway in the desert was a real road the redeemed and the ransomed of the Lord, Amy just read about, were not just singing of their spiritual salvation. They were smelling the air of sweet, literal freedom. It is out of that knowledge, the literal experiences of liberation, restoration, validation, salvation, that metaphor is born. We don't first conceive of spiritual salvation and then feel its touch when our hands and feet are literally freed from shackles. It works the other way around. The ecstasy of fresh freedom beckons us to dream of even greater possibilities. The literal experience of liberation lifts us to dream of whom else might be freed and where and when and how. And then the highway in the desert becomes a metaphor for more than we can dream. Joy, real joy, true joy is not dependent on the experience of universal salvation. That freedom has not come. And by all accounts, it appears that moment is still a long way from reality. So as we walk the highway out of bondage, our own bondage, whatever that might mean to each of us, a literal bondage to substance abuse or financial indebtedness, or our own spiritual bondage to some jealousy or anger, a pettiness or an unforgiving spirit, whatever that bondage, when you walk free of it, you can shout for joy. You ought to shout for joy. But only, it will only be joy if you can recognize that some are still enslaved. A writer named Ken Wilbur says it this way, a person who is beginning to sense the suffering of life, that, excuse me, 
a person who is beginning to sense the suffering of life is at the same time beginning to awaken to deeper realities, truer realities. Suffering smashes to pieces the complacency of our normal fictions about reality and forces us to become alive in a special sense, to see carefully, to feel deeply, to touch ourselves and our worlds in ways we have heretofore avoided. Do you understand? Happiness can pretend my celebration is all that matters. Since I'm happy, everyone must be. Or it's just their own fault, they're not as happy as I am. But joy, joy recognizes the victories that comes to us and bids us shout for joy to give thanks as we acknowledge the sorrow and sighing that have not yet ultimately fled away. Each week of this Advent series, as we've talked about as if, we've tried to think in very concrete terms what specific instruction could we give you, what literal action could you do, because as those studies have shown, it is the action of our bodies that lead our emotions and our thinking. Do it and you will feel it. Do it and you will think it. So what literal joy could you enact to make joy today more than just some happy hope? With the recognition that joy comes to us only in reality, that is, only as we recognize the good and the bad, the bitter and the sweet, which is always a mix within our own lives and within our world, I have two suggestions for you today. The first, this week, find some place to engage with someone who is struggling. Someone who is suffering. Sit with a friend who has suffered the death of a loved one and look into her eyes. Go to urban ministries to volunteer and look deeply at those folks who are the lost and lonely in our city. Show up at Sedgefield to help with our programs to that at-risk community. When you see the guy on the street with the sign that says, we'll work for food, find a way to stop and talk. Find out his story. Find out where he's from and how he got there on that street corner. If you open your eyes, it will not be hard to find someone who is suffering. There is sadness all in our world. Be there. Sit with. Enjoy. Enjoy. You probably will not solve the problem, but as you enter in, you will become a part of the greater depth of this thing called life. And as you do, let that suffering inform your own life. It's not so much, there for the grace of God go I. You know, it's not that you can celebrate because you're doing so much better than they are. It is that in experiencing all of life, its ups and downs, its deepest moments, you can celebrate your own life with a deeper understanding. 
And my second suggestion to you this day is that you find a way this week literally to give thanks. Write a note. Pick up the phone. If you don't normally pause to literally say grace before meals, make that commitment this week and give your thanks with open eyes. Lord, make us grateful for this food we are about to receive and give us a sense of justice for those who go hungry. As we learn to see, to be aware, to be real in our thanksgivings and our celebrations, we will grow in the experience of being human. We will come to know the joy that gives life a sense of meaning and can be found in the mix of all things. As David Stendhal Rass says, joy is the happiness that does not depend on what happens. Joy is the happiness that doesn't depend on what happens. So this week, whatever happens, I hope you can see it. The desert, blossom and rejoice. May it be so. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.